Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Thank God for the victory. Glory to his mighty name. You can have your seats here just briefly. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Brother Orlando, it's good to see you. I was preaching up months back up in the mountains of West Virginia. And I looked out and I seen Brother Orlando in his life. I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's good to see you again. I haven't seen him since that time. So it's good to see each and every one. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be here. We just want to uh, <clears throat> say a few things before we get uh, started on the Word of God. We wanted to thank everybody that came out uh, just the other day on, uh, to get the semi-packed. It was a super hot day, and uh, the uh, semi got there early, and Brother George started calling people. People started just coming, whoever could come, and it was the grace of God that you came early, so we weren't up till 10 at night, and we got it all packed, and I believe that the church in Connecticut is unpacking today after service, so I just want to express my love and thanks. You know who you were, and I know that there were those that probably desired to be there. It maybe couldn't, but I wanted to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, it was a hot day. It was a lot of work. People were bringing water and working as a team. And I just want to share my love to you, to Evening Light Tabernacle. For me and my family, as you already know, we have a Macedonian call. We didn't see it coming, but the Lord had been dealing with me for months, kind of in a spirit of travail and prayer, as things that I didn't share. And I, knew, I told Ann, I said, something is calling me. I don't know what it is. The Lord dealt with me for months, and then finally it came, and he brought understanding, and it's a long story. I would love to share it with you all, but uh, there's a little group up in Connecticut. They've been without a pastor. They're, I would guess, around 30 saints. They're wonderful believers, and they need help, so we want to go up and hold an evening light standard, and, uh, and you know, this is what it's all about. And so we just want to say we covet your prayers. We love you with everything in us. You've embraced us and loved us. And there's been quite a bit of miles covered since we've been here and sojourning with you. And uh, first, Brother Tim, he's been a friend of mine for many years, just a dear, a very close friend. We've worked together and covered a lot of uh, ground together. Brother Tim, I've always respected his balance on the word as he can preach the depths, but he never leaves Paul's gospel and he never leaves the Bible. He stays right down the middle of the road and I've loved that about Brother Tim. And uh, for a man with such depth, he can pick up and he can evangelize. I watch him go fishing. <laughs> and he's a gifted man. And so not only that, but he's been a friend of mine and a, he's, his counsel and so much and I just can't express with words what Brother Tim and his family means. The ministry team and our outreach and our, all of us was going different ways. It was wonderful. And Brother Timothy, you know, I've never dull moment with Brother Timothy. <laughs> and uh, Brother Joe, Brother Aaron, I just, I just appreciate it very much. And uh, <clears throat> Also, one thing I really love about Brother Tim is his vision worldwide. And I've known that from the beginning with him, that he sees beyond the walls of this church. He sees the bride universal, and I've always loved that about him. But the team that God has raised around Brother Tim, as far as the deacon board and all the offices and the members, we just, we just want to say keep shining your light. Amen. Keep shining your light. And, uh, I wanted to say special thanks to my mother-in-law who's dealt with me and my wild Indians in her house for a year. 
And uh, I know she wouldn't say, oh, it was nothing, but we just kind of moved in on her, and, and uh, we love her very much. And so she's been a great support to us. And uh, the main thing is the coming of the Lord. Brother Branham said, my message will forerun the coming word. And he said he was preparing a bride for the return of the Lord Jesus. How many believe he's returning? And it's nearer than we've ever believed. And we can never lose our vision for the coming of the Lord. And so that's why we do what we do. Because the work is very short, very late. And uh, we've got to do everything we can to get every soul in. So directly after the service, uh, we're going to shake a few hands and hug some necks. We're jumping in the car. We're starting northward on the long 1,500-mile trip there. So pray for us. Pray for us. We need your prayers. And just know, I've told Anna years ago, I said, we've burnt every bridge. There is no way back. I said, it's all the way into the kingdom. So just know we'll be fighting somewhere in the trenches somewhere. We love you with the love of the Lord. And... Uh, we can't express it, but thank you for all your support and love. Let's not be heavy-hearted because there's other lambs that are caught out in the thickets, and we've got to get them all into the fold before the Lord returns. And it's all about the work of the Lord. And so we would love just There's going to be a time where we're going to have the youth meeting that Brother Tim and Timothy has talked about. We won't quit shouting, and we'll have a special bond because we fought on the front lines together. So let's, let's stay on the front lines together. God bless you is my prayer. Let us stand to our feet. And let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll turn down to verse 7, a very familiar verse. We're going to read 7 down through verse 16. Say amen when you're there. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath that belongeth to Zidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he had called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it, and he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruse, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I might go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake 
by Elijah. I want to preach this morning, seek first the kingdom and the miracle will follow. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Brother Daryl Baxter's father uh, just got report that he's being resuscitated right now. And Brother Daryl is in Canada and they need desperate prayer. So let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads as believers of the covenant, as we have all come up under the blood and the songs of Zion has been sung and we already feel your Holy Spirit moving among us, we gather in faith, Lord, in a time of need. As there is a portion of time in Scripture where there is Mark's house, a little group of believers just the same were gathering together and Peter was in trouble and they prayed and you sent your angel and you brought deliverance to him. Your prophet taught us, Lord, that prayer has no distance. It's just as effective here as it would be a thousand miles away. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we unite our faith together. And we ask, Lord, that you send the angel of the Lord to help our brother, Lord, in a time of need. I don't know the details, but you know it all. And we gather in prayer as kings and priests of the Most High God. Kings and priests, you have made us by your blood to intercede. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bind our faith together and send the Holy Spirit to the rescue of this dear brother, Lord. Move upon the scene, we ask. Be with Brother Darrell, Lord. You know how he must feel, Lord, helpless at this time. Father, move, we pray mightily. And God, we ask that you move mightily upon this service as we have just read your word. And your word is the infallible word of God, and it cannot fail. Bless your people, Lord, this morning as we gather. We ask it in the mighty, unfailing name of Jesus Christ, our Master and King. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. A very familiar scripture, thank you, Brother Mike, that we just had read. And the heaven had just closed up and had become as brass as the sins of the people had brought judgment upon the nation of Israel for turning their back on the word of God. The earth was scorched. The cattle were dying. The earth was parched and no grass, no fruit, no leaves. It was just like the sun was scorching the earth. People were dying. Animals were dying. And the heavens were just full of buzzards and and, uh, birds of the sky. There was a little widow woman down in the city. The groans of the city was coming up and There was no food to be found. And this little widow woman was right down to the last of her barrel of meal, right down to the last of her oil, and just a spoonful of oil stood between her and death. And she had a little boy, and the little boy, as she had rationed it, coming up to death's door, watching his little cheeks turn pale and his body getting frail, watching, praying, but yet no answer, night after night praying, Lord, you got to do something, going from three meals a day to two meals a day, down to one meal a day. Now she's down, and there's a little oil that stands between her and death, and she's looking at her child in this condition. Though she knows that Jehovah is faithful, she would pray and say, Lord, I believe you, and I know you'll never forsake the righteous. She had lost her husband. I believe he fought 
for Israel, and she was a Gentile woman. She might have been a proselyte. And her husband, Brother Branham, had said had died in battle, and she was a Gentile woman, and she was praying in Zarephath. And death now was at the door, and there was no escape for her. And sometimes it's at those darkest hours God will bring us to, and it, somewhere that's where faith rises up. Somewhere that's where our prayers are most earnest. It's at those times where we're at those dying moments that God comes riding in on the scene. This poor woman was watching her barrel lower and lower and lower, and she prays, God, you got to do something, but though you slay me, I'll trust you. She wakes up in the morning knowing this is her last meal. There is no truckloads of food coming in. The stores are closed. There is no plan B. She walks out to get sticks knowing she's facing death. When she walks out there thinking the devil's saying he don't hear your prayers. You're just another, you're just a make-believer. See, God is powerless. Your prayers are powerless. And the devil would no doubt got in her mind. But this morning when she walked out and was looking for sticks, God had heard her prayer and tapped a prophet on the shoulder and said, you go to Zarephath where I have ordained a woman to sustain thee. While the devil is saying, he don't hear you, he don't hear you, one of the mightiest prophets of the Bible is marching right to her house. There were many widows in the day of Elijah, but he sent her to him to one. And as she's gathering sticks, she hears his voice, bring me a drink of water. And that was a lot to ask. Because it's a famine and every, no doubt, water you know, there's a water ban. No one's allowed to water their yards. And, I mean, it's in ration now. Bring me something to drink. And she looked up. The prophet of God said he looked like a kind man. And she thought, the poor man, I'll, I'll go fetch him a drink of water. And he said, that's like true Pentecostals. He said, they'll give to the very last for one another. And then she began to turn to serve him in her dying moments, which tells the character of this woman. Yep. Brother Branham said she must have had the same caliber of character as the prophet, or he wouldn't have sent him to her. What does that say about the bride? God, give us character that we'll be worthy of the gospel, worthy of the message that God has sent to this age. And as she began to turn, and he said, and fetch me a little cake as well. Then that stopped her in her tracks. She turns and said, sir, I'll bring you my water. But there's only one cake standing between me and death. I'm going to make a cake. And I'm going to make it the best I ever made it. And I'm going to eat with my son, and we're going to commit our souls to God. And we're going to die. Now, this is a strange request that Elijah would ask for the woman's last cake. Wouldn't it be strange as the little boy standing in the doorway looking frail that he would take a cake from that little boy? Isn't it strange that he would say, but make me a cake first. 
But there's a principle laying here. Because behind that statement came, Thus saith the Lord, make me a cake first, and the miracle will follow. Seek first the kingdom, and the miracle will follow. Put God first, and the miracle will follow. For thus saith the Lord. If you take God at his word and put his word first, you will never lack food. You'll never lack water. You'll never lack joy. You'll never lack the power of God in your life. But put God first. You love the Lord. When she put the kingdom first, the miracle happened. But she had to believe God because this is between life and death. She had to love God more than her baby. You mothers put yourself there looking at your own children. Do we love him enough to put God before my dying boy? We need to seek the will of God. We will learn a principle here. When we put God first, he sends everything we need. When you're sick, put God first. When you're weary, put God first. Because he said, make me a cake first. In other words, all that you have, give it to me. How many trust the Lord? Can you, do you put him first this morning? Do you put him first in your tithes? Do you put him first in your day, in your devotion, in your prayer? Do you put the word first? Do you put the spirit first? Do we consider God first? Brother Branham said in this day and age, we put ourselves first. He said, but give God your best. He deserves your best. We give him the seconds. We give him last when he deserves the best. He said, we take ours first. We go out and spend money on big times. Go to church on Sunday, give him a quarter. He said, you buy a $50 present to give to the Joneses. He goes, there's something, something in society. But God deserves your best. He deserves everything you are, everything you got. And he said, that's the ABCs. Always believe Christ. In other words, always put God first. How many believe the Lord? Believe God first. Believe his word. Believe that God gives the Holy Ghost. Believe God sends angels. Believe God hears prayer. Put God first. Before we utter a word, put God first. Before we make a move, put God first. Keep God first. Turn with me, if you will, to Numbers chapter 18, verse 12. Numbers 18, verse 12. I love this scripture. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat and the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them I have given thee. And that word best means fat, which means the richest part, 
the fatness thereof the best. So in the Old Testament, they were required not to just give out of their flock, but to give the best out of their flock. Remember when Abel offered the fat, fatted lamb, he was giving the best that his flock could offer. We're not giving God seconds. We must give God our very best. As God has given us his best, when he sent his son, God spared nothing. He left all heaven and all glory that he might redeem us who were God's enemies, who were lost and without God. And when God sent his son, he gave us the best. And our love to him responds in giving him the best of our worship, the best of our love, the best of our service, the best of our life. The God of heaven deserves our best. We need to give him our strength. Remember the first commandment? To love thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy strength. God wants us to give him our best. A lot of times people, being believers, will go all their lives, waste their lives on drugs and drinking and women and carousing, come down to their deathbed, God, forgive me for all my mess. And you give God a withered up life that's good for nothing. But I believe we should give God the best of our strength, the best of our ability. We should give God. He's deserving of it. We should give him all that we are. Brother Branham said now, he's worthy of our best. What do you do for him? We give him leftovers. He said we give him three nights, three minutes at night before bed. He said... He deserves everything you got. Give your best to him. Give the best of your life, the best of your songs, the best of your talent. Give him everything you got. Give him your feet. Give him your hands. Give him your eyes. Give him your mouth. Give him your ears. Give him your soul. Give him your heart. Give him your praise. Give him everything you got. It's a Bible principle. So when Elijah said, bring me a cake first, he's setting a Bible principle now that we should always learn to escape death. We must put him first. To escape famine, to escape the judgment, we must put God first. Abraham learned this principle. And you know, it's something that sometimes we come to learn in our pilgrimage, in our journey, we learn to put him first. We learn to trust God. It's not automatic. We're not walking around as heroes. None of us here are heroes. We're all products of the grace of God. Jesus said, learn of me. We watch his life and we follow his example. And Abraham had learned to put God first. God had told him, I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Separate from your family. Separate from your home. And I'll bring you to a place. But he brought Lot with him. And notice Brother Renham said he was always a hare in the biscuit until he got rid of Lot. Now Lot, notice this, Lot uh, went down to Sodom. And when they finally separated... God said, now look northward, southward, eastward, westward. The whole land is yours. 
But Abraham had to come in full obedience of the word before he could receive the full blessing of the word. He had to put God before everything. And notice, watch his life. When God comes to him and said, Now I have fulfilled my word. I have given you a son, Isaac. Out of Isaac, all nations will be blessed. I have fulfilled my word. He changed their body. He worked a miracle because when he followed the word, the miracle took place. When he put God first, the miracle took place. Then the final test where Abraham, God says, take your son, thy only son, and sacrifice him upon Moriah. It's just a story unless you put yourself in those shoes. Because here is Isaac, the one they've waited for. They cherished. And you know how grandpa and grandma are doty. I imagine they doted all over Isaac. I imagine she's constantly licking her fingers and, you know, rubbing down his eyebrows and just hovering over him. I could imagine. Oh, I'm the only doty daddy. You pray for the old preacher. <laughs> Imagine they just the pride. Look, he laughs just like you, Abraham. Boy, he's got a temper, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, and he's stubborn like his daddy. Imagine they just hovered right over him. And then to hear the words, sacrifice him upon Moriah. He's not going to tell Sarah a thing at night. She's used to him being outside the tent, so it's going to be no problem there. Come on. Well, this don't even make sense. Sometimes God calls us to do things that are unreasonable. Sometimes the Lord calls us to do things. You say, Lord, I don't understand where this has taken me, but we must put God first. And trust the Lord in all that he does. So he just starts out towards Moriah. And if you read it closely, he said, go to the mountain that I shall tell thee of. In other words, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. You're going to walk with me one step at a time. And then when you meet tomorrow, God will supply for tomorrow. And when you meet the next day, God will supply for that. We're ones that want to know it all. I want to get to the end. I want to see the happy ending. So they go up upon Moriah. And then all of a sudden, Isaac starts getting suspicious. Papa, yes, my son. There's the fire. There's the wood. But where is the burnt offering? See, he was a young person that knew the approach to God. And I believe that young people can know how to access God in prayer. How to access God themselves. We have a blood that can bring you right into the presence of God. You're not secondary citizens. You are children of the king. I believe children can have revivals. Every, almost every revival in history started from young people. And his father said, my son, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God will provide a sacrifice. Now watch Abraham. 
as he ties his hands, Isaac's with a sheep shank knot, pushes his hair back, lifts the knife up, and he's going to drop it in the son that he loved. And just before he drops it, the angel catches his hand and says, Abraham, Abraham, because you put God first. He looked, meh, meh, where did he come from? He put God first and the miracle followed. Showing God was going to redeem the earth with a provided lamb. How many can say amen? I want you to ask yourself, do you put him first? I want to ask myself, do we put him first? Above our husbands, above our wives, above our children. You say, does God require that? The Bible said all. Brother Branham said, let everything be secondary. Your home, your husband, your wife, your children. Place God first. You say, Brother Branham, over my children, place God first. God first, family second, and yourself last. He is above our college. He is above our education. He is above our career. He is above our bank account. God is first. Moses learned to put God first. Moses had been a total failure coming out of what is in thy hand. There be men this afternoon, many ministers, that's been total failures. Maybe you're a housewife or a student at school or a child to your parents. Whatever you have been, let that been has been and start today. I hope that everybody heard that. Forgetting those things behind you. Let's start with God now. Moses failed down in Egypt. When he was born to be a deliverer. To bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Why? Because he did it in himself. He took it upon himself to do it. Anytime you take things upon yourself and leave God out. You'll be like a a failure like Moses was. He thought he could do it. He come up with one dead Egyptian. He fled to Ethiopia. He got a common laborer's job, a sheep herder. He had been herding sheep for 40 years because he failed to put God first. Direct quote. And I think that's what's the matter with the churches. When it gets to the place we put our church first instead of Christ, we're going to go straight down. When you put them as an individual, put your church first or your social life first instead of your spiritual life, you are going to fail. So when Moses put himself first, he became unconcerned with the kingdom of God and the cause of God and what God was trying to accomplish in that day. Brother Brenham said he got married. He had a baby. He said his life went on easy street. Direct quote. He said everything was easy. He had a little home. He was doing fine, a good job. He was unconcerned. He said his house was paid for. He said he never had a personal experience with God yet. He said, oh. He said, but when he saw the true living God, he found God's purpose for him in his life was to deliver Israel. While he was on easy street, those people were dying under bondage. 
But once he put God first, he saw the cause and saw the vision and was willing to sacrifice himself. It changed his attitude. It changed the course of his life forever. And it changed the course of human history. When he went down there, miracles abounded because he put God first. How many believe in putting God first? Brother Branham tells the story how he was back in Kentucky preaching a revival meeting. And he said he made an altar call and he said an old farmer come up and came to the altar and said, you're preaching on the Holy Ghost. He said, I want the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham said, the Holy Ghost is for you. He said, you mean I can get it right here? He said, you can get it right here. That man started praying and he prayed till two in the morning. And when he, the power of God struck that man and filled him with the Holy Spirit and he became concerned with the kingdom of God. He had no education. He had no finance. He had no ministry as it were. But he had an old Ford truck. And Brother Branham said he took that truck, he picked up about 20 or 30 people, brought them to the meeting, and 20 or 30 got saved. He said he didn't have much, but he had an experience and a Ford truck. You can have a Chevy, you can have a Dodge, whatever it is, give it to God and let God get a hold of it. You put God first. Oh, my God is an old Ford. It don't matter. God can do a lot with a Ford truck. There's millions to reach. There's billions to reach. Me and Brother George walking through Japan thousands times thousands, and we're just looking constantly, and it's overwhelming. How are we going to reach them? God just needs one man who will put him first. God just needs somebody. You don't have to have much. All you need is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and an honest heart. God can use you if you only got a bicycle. God can use you if you're just a schoolboy. But put God first. How many believe that this is the third exodus? How many believe it's bringing us into the land of promise where every promise, the fullness of God and his people will bring us to a body change? How many believe that? But you know the type. We're the anti-type. The type. What did Joshua do when he entered into the land? He took the Ark of the Covenant and he put it before the people and said, keep your eye on the word of God. Keep your eye on the message. And this message will take you into every divine promise, every victory. It'll take you into God's divine will. But you must put God first. That's the law of God. And then focus and not only put God first, but keep him first. And then when he put God first, the Jordan River rolled back and the miracle followed. How many need a miracle in their life? I tell you, miracles will start falling everywhere when we put God first. God had made a promise to Noah, I'm going to judge the world, but you and your family are going to escape. How will this be, Lord? I will show you day by day. Little by little, you will construct an ark. But if you by faith will build this ark, a miracle will follow. 
Watch it in the Bible. Always in the scripture. When Moses acted upon the word, then the miracle followed. When Elijah had restored the altar, said, Lord, I've done all of this at your word. Then the fire fell. Then the miracle happened. When Joshua walked around the city for 13 times, then the, then the walls fell. Then the miracle happened. Look at Rahab. She kept God's word first. When she hung that thread out the window, then the miracle happened. It is a theme all the way through the scriptures, all the way through the Bible. When the Hebrews stood for God's word, then the miracle happened. When Daniel stood for God's word, then the miracle happened. You say, is that New Testament? Oh, yeah. There was just a bunch of fishermen and little illiterate women that believed that the Lord had brought salvation to the earth. And he said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. Brother Branham said they all had to obey and put God first. And God didn't give them any answers. He didn't tell them how long, Brother Frazier. He told them until. God help us to have patience with God. His word will never fail. And his word is until. He brings it to pass. So they went up there. Two days had passed. Three days had passed. Five days had passed. And Brother Branham said, one of them might have said, you know what? I think I got it already. He said, but wait a minute. God has something to say. You can't say this is that till God speaks. They waited seven days, eight days, nine days. But when they put God first, the miracle of Pentecost was released. How many want the miracle of the Pentecostal revival to move through their lives and through their homes and through our church? And if you want, listen to this. Brother Branham said, if you want a church, start with the word of God. If you want a life of God, start with the word of God. Accept the word in its fullness, every measure. And if the fullness of God is in you, then the rain that falls upon it will produce it exactly. If you want the Holy Ghost, put God's word first and watch the word, the spirit, fall on that word and bring forth a new creation. How many believe in the miracle of the rapture? God has sent this message to this age. Keep this message first. And the miracle of the rapture will happen to every one of us. The miracle of the body change. But you must put the word first. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Sister Esther. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But he says, but seek ye first, New Testament. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So God shows us what's important. The world worries about our security. And our future. And our retirement. See but God already has our retirement. He's not worried about the natural things. He said don't worry about those secondary things. Put God first. Seek ye first. Don't worry about what you're going to make. Don't worry about what you're going to do. 
Job said, naked came I into this world. And naked we all will return. But it's not what's on the outside of us that's important. You got a soul on the inside. And that soul will be packed yonder into the glories to come. Don't you worry about outward raiment, but rather what's on the inside. You should be investing in the Holy Ghost that will last through ceaseless ages. We should invest our lives in character, in the power of God, in sincerity. We ought to invest in the inner man and not the outward man. And when we, when we work on those things, then God supplies our every need and we only have one life. I'm sure I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. There's probably quite a few here above 50, maybe above 60 or above 70 years of age. And I'm sure if I talked to each one of them, I'd say, did it seem like it went quick? And they'll say, just like that. Some will say, well, some ways it seems long, and in some ways it seems like just yesterday I was a schoolboy. All of a sudden I had kids, and then they grew up, and I had grandkids. And then all of a sudden they're gone. At Sister Rachel's house, it's strange. Jerry used to sit in a recliner. We'd walk in. He'd open his eyes, and he'd give a smile. And now he ain't there no more. He's gone. Because we only have one life to live. And we'll never get five minutes ago back. This is the only opportunity we'll ever have to win souls. It is the only opportunity we'll ever have to take our stand for the word of God. And Lord, don't let me be some slouch, some secondary, give God my sloppy part of my life. Let me give him all that I am. All that is within me. Let me show my love to him by a sacrifice of myself. Our jobs, our wealth, our homes are all temporal. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalms, chapter 16. Do you love the Lord? You're a good crowd to preach to this morning. Keep pulling. Psalms chapter 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Ain't that beautiful? Brother Branham was having a meeting one time in the meeting, this little 15-year-old girl, I think they were mountain people as well. Her little 15-year-old girl, barefoot, he said, the little thing probably never had shoes in her life. She had a baby. And the baby they called, he said, what's wrong with your baby? She said, it's got the jerks. They were just simple people. It's got the jerks. And so it had palsy. The baby did. And Brother Branham took the baby in his arms, I believe, and when he prayed, it stopped instantly when he prayed. How many believe in the power of God? I like that word instantly. It don't matter if it takes a long time, but God can move instantly. A lot of times it ain't God, it's us that hinders the situation. God wants to move instantly. 
It stopped instantly. And he said, I went hunting the next morning. He said, I was squirrel hunting. And I heard a saw running. And he said, so I walked toward the saw. And there were a couple country boys with their guns set up against the tree. And he said, one of them had a big plug of tobacco, hat pulled down over his head. And they were talking about the meeting the night before. And they knew the baby. And they said, let me tell you, this morning that baby was not jerking. Last night, that was real. Big spit. And he said, leaves are flying. Brother Brenham said, they have feuds down there in that country. He said, so I thought I'd better make myself known. He said, morning, brethren. And he said, that man looked and recognized it was Brother Branham. Takes off his hat. And he said, I don't know how he did it. He said, he swallowed that big plug of tobacco. He said, how did he do it without dying? He said, but he had respect. Because he became conscious of the presence of the reality of God. And Brother Branham said, when we are conscious that God is present, men will not cuss, men will not look and do evil things. And he said, David was someone who wanted God to be always before him. He always wanted to be conscious that God is seeing everything we do. God is hearing everything we say. God is acting and watching every act and move we make. And he said, we ought to be God conscious. He's, he's building this upon the scripture that I just read. I'll keep the Lord always before me. He said, David was a man after God's own heart. And he was one that always wanted to have God near, always conscious that God can move at any minute, that God can hear me right now, that God is here among us. You believe that? And when God, when a man realizes that God is near, he walks softly. If we know God is present, then we watch even what we think. We watch our behavior. We show, we just come up a notch in respect when we know that God is with us. No lustful thoughts. No evil speaking. So why don't we always put God before us? Why don't we always put God first in our life? When nobody's around, put God first. Young people, when you're on the computer and mom and dad is not around, put God first. Always put him before you. When we're walking through the streets, we want to put God before us. How many say, Lord, help me to put God first? I know I'm quoting a lot, but I really want to bring this together. Brother Branham takes the story of Simon and the little prostitute woman that washed Jesus' feet, and he brought it to life. And he said, Simon was a Pharisee who invited Jesus to a big feast. And he sent a courier. He said, my master would like you to come to a feast where we'll all be gathered together. Have a good time. And Jesus said, I'll come. But Brother Branham said he was a Pharisee that really wanted to get the bishops and doctors together. And make fun of the holy roller. 
And he said, so this man had the money to put out a big outdoor garden. And he said he got his lambs and was going to have a big barbecue. And he was going to put on a party that everybody would know about. And so he sent out his invitations. He had made his preparations. And he said they started roasting that lamb early. And the smell went all through the area. And he said he had a big fence and the tables all decorated and the trellises and all the grapes and all of the lanterns. And, and he said people would come and stand there and look at the gate. And here would come the carriages. And they would park the carriages. And they would get out. And then many most walked in that day. And he said they all wore garments that actually picked up the dirt along the narrow passageways. And he said those passageways were also used by mules or, or donkeys rather and animals, camels. And he said they would be dung everywhere. And then the hot sun would scorch them and their sweat running down their legs and that dirt would pick up and stick to their legs. He said and it was just a foul odor. They would travel for miles, maybe like walking through Louisiana just drenched in sweat when they get to this party. And Brother Brenner said, but... They had what was called a foot wash flunky. And he said he had the lowest job on the totem pole. He said this man's job was to come out, get a big pail of clean water, and wash the nasty stuff off their feet, rub their legs and wash them, then send them to the towel boy, another foot wash flunky, rub that junk off their feet. And he said then they would pass them along to the next guy. He would have frankincense oil made out of some sort of apple oil and they would rub it on their neck where the sun had just scorched their necks and they would rub them down put a brand new robe on them nice fresh slippers and then they'd kiss them welcome welcome to my party and he said everyone that come through the door would come through like that and they were kissed welcome the bible said kiss the sun least he be angry so they would walk in and the festivities was going. The music was going. All the bishops, doctor, doctor, hugging one another. And Jesus was sitting like a wallflower. And nobody had washed his feet. Nobody gave him a change of raiment. Nobody had kissed him welcome. While all the people, that awesome smell going through the land, like Brother George Winters, Tim Winters cooking it up. People are coming from everywhere just looking over the fence. There's a little prostitute that coming through. She looked. She's like, wow. Brother Branham said she lived a rough life. She had a lot of issues, just like all of us do if we'll be honest. We all have a bunch of issues. The only thing is she couldn't hide hers. And she's sitting there tiptoeing and looking. Everybody's talking. And somebody's slapping each other. That's so-and-so, isn't it? Isn't that so-and-so? Look at the roast. Look at the barbecue. All the poor people envying. Bums sitting out there just hoping somehow they'll get something. And then as her eyes scan, she sees that man from Nazareth sitting over in the corner. It catches her attention. She said, what is, what is that? All the big name preachers were hugging, kissing. 
And he's sitting over there in the corner. And nobody washed his feet. And nobody gave him something to wear. And they're just going to make a mockery out of him. She starts crying. As something in the presence of God softens her heart. Lord, keep my heart soft always. Help me to keep you always before me. Something begins to move. Isn't it amazing the Holy Ghost ain't moving upon them backslidden preachers, but the Holy Ghost is moving upon a prostitute? And she takes off running, and she runs home and runs upstairs, and she pulls out her life savings. And she takes the money, and the devil begins to fight her mind. He will call you out. He will know where you got that money. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I can't let him stay there. This is my opportunity. I may never get it again. I got something I got to do. I got to do a service. I got to do something. And not let him lay there in that humiliation. If they don't want him, I'll take it. That's how I feel about the message. If you don't want it, I'll take it. If you don't want the word, I'll take it. If you don't want the Holy Ghost, I'll take it. And his people shall never be ashamed. You don't want him, I'll take him. You don't want him in your house, I want him in my house. I want him in my church. I want him in my life. This is my opportunity. This is our opportunity. As she's fighting the mind battles, and there's going to be plenty of them, she says, I've got to do it. She runs down to the perfume shop, opens the door, the bell rings, ching, ching. There's a Jewish long hook nose. Well, shut the door. You're letting the, the cool air out. What do you want? I need some ointment. Well, here's a 10-cent bottle. This one's for 20 cents. No. I want the best you got. That one cost over $50. I want the very best that this store gives. God don't want our 10 cents and 25 cents. He'll take it. But this is my opportunity. And I'm going to give him everything I got. Out the door, she runs down the streets. She comes to the fence and she peeks and he's still there. Now she starts elbowing her way down through there. And the devil's saying, they're going to kick you out. You're going to be locked up in jail. But she's fighting her way to get into his presence. While he was only a mockery to others, she was fighting her way to get into his presence. And there was Jesus, the wallflower. I can imagine as she got closer and closer, her burden got bigger as she collapsed and began to weep. As she came into his presence, she recognizes something about him. She begins to weep at his feet, and Jesus don't move. Back in those days, they kind of laid sideways. And so he's laying propped up on her shoulder, and she comes to his feet, and she begins to weep. She don't know what to say. She don't know what to do. All she knows is he is here right now, and I've got to do him a service. Nobody has washed his feet. She got to his feet and didn't know what to do, and tears are rolling out of her eyes, 
And Brother Branham said, water, sweet water of repentance. God give us an old-fashioned revival where our hearts weep for our sins and our wrong. When we come into the presence of Almighty God, he's the Holy One, the Worthy One. Tears rolling off of her face. Brother Branham said her long hair rolled down those curls and she begins to wipe his nasty feet with her hair. And then she begins to kiss the feet. At this point, she's caught up like an eagle and all of the criticisms and everybody slapping their shoulder and pointing. She don't care because now she's got his attention. And Lord, you don't have to say a word, but it ain't about you talking to me. It's about me expressing my love to you. As she begins to cry and weep, she takes the box of ointment and begins to break it. And when she broke it and poured that anointing over him, in one account the Bible said, the smell filled the room with perfume. I believe that's like an old-fashioned Holy Ghost meeting where the Holy Ghost is moving and it smells like the rose of Sharon, like apple blossoms in our soul. You feel so free like the power of the resurrection, like a fresh rain pouring over our parched hearts. And everyone now, preachers are appalled. They're looking to Simon, what are you going to do? He don't know what to do, but he said, if this was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Let me tell you, if he was a son of God, he would know what kind of man was in his roof. If he was a son of God, he would recognize that's more than a man. That's Jehovah. He's in your house. Critics, oh, they begin to talk. Brother Branham said Jesus didn't move. Because he was enjoying it. Do you know that God created us to be worship, for him to be worshipped? Do you know we are created? If we don't sing, no one else will. If we don't walk by the word, no one else will. Do you know that what she is doing is an act of faith? Because at the end of the story, he says, go in peace. Your faith has saved thee. This whole scene is actually a response of faith to the presence of God. Her works is expressing what she believes. Your works this morning express what you believe. My works express what I believe. My life expresses what I believe. She's weeping and crying. She's beside herself. Holy Spirit is moving. Jesus is letting her do it. Brother Branham said she was getting saved. Why do we come to church this morning? We come to get saved. Every one of us needs saving, don't we? Is the preacher the only one that needs getting saved? We all need saving. You know, you can't get anywhere in God without being in the Spirit. You can't get to first base without being in the Spirit. So this woman washed his feet. 
She'd done a service for him. Brother Branham said at that moment, all of her evil life ceased. At that moment, when she met God, everything changed from that time. Then this is the awesome part. When she took, placed him first, gave the best she had, then the miracle happened. Brother Branham said it released forgiveness to her. As they were saying, if this man was a prophet, they would know. And Jesus looks and said, I've got a question for you. If one man owed a lot and one man owed a little, he said, you know, who would love the most? And so on and so forth. You know the story. He said, her sins were many, but she loved much. And because she loved much, he said, she is forgiven. He said, go, my child. Your faith has made you whole. Brother Branham said, now love should govern our homes. Love is the greatest force that was ever put into the power of man. Home that is not disciplined by love is not much of a home. And he said, if a husband and wife don't solemnly love each other, they cannot trust each other. That's a, he said, now, but if we would come back to the principle of love first, then those things would be in, in the church would progress faster. If we would love God first, and God is love. See, to put God first is to put the word first. And when you put God first, God is love. So love will come first. How many want to more love in their heart? Then when we enter into a mood of worship, we begin to put God first. Then the Holy Ghost comes and begins to move among us. Brother Brennan said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, the, and his righteousness and everything else will be added. He said, I'm positive sure this morning if men and women could only get into a position where their soul, their thinking, their attitudes would be perfect in the sight of God, it would want to be one of the most powerful churches that ever existed. He said, we ought to have first, let us pray and see what the will of God is. Give me a preacher. Give me a Christian. Give me a housewife that's a Christian. Give me a farmer, a factory worker that'll put God first in everything. And I'll show you a man that'll be successful in spite of anything that the devil can put on him. Seek God first. How many say, Lord, I'll start right now. Pull up, if you will, in Psalms 116, verse 12. Psalms 116, verse 12. says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? That's a good question, isn't it? What shall I render unto the Lord? What can we give him back? He's ministered to us. But what can we give God back in our life that would mean something to God? Maybe a Ford? Maybe an alabaster box? You know, maybe just our song? Maybe just our attendance? Maybe we have a gift in our life that we can go win souls? But what can we do that we can show God, Lord, I appreciate healing me. 
I appreciate your saving me. I appreciate the message that you opened my heart to and gave me understanding while the world is heading to the judgment. You awoke me and called me out. And I appreciate that you exposed the systems and showed me where salvation is. I thank you for saving my babies. I thank you for saving my family. I thank you for taking me from a life of sin and shame and pulling me up and letting me declare your name. How many can say, I'm thankful? But what can we render to him? What can we give back to him? Because he deserves our best. He deserves everything that we are. Our song, our life, our strength, our talents. What can we give to God? Revelations chapter 5 verse 1. I won't be holding you much longer. Bear with me. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man. Can you say no man? No man in heaven, earth, under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because there was no man that was worthy to open the book or to read the book or to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into the, all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, every one of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and thou hast redeemed us to God by thy own blood, out of every kindred and every tongue, out of people, every nation. And thou hast made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. How many believe that? In the Old Testament, they had what was called the kinsman redeemer or the goal. And if a man had lost his God-given estate, he could have a near kinsman, which was called a goal, that could redeem it back and restore it back to him, what he had lost. But Brother Branham said, now a goal had to be a near kinsman, a blood relative, showing God had to become a man. He had to be a worthy man, a rich man, a powerful man, a righteous man, a godly man that walked in the word of God. And that's exactly what Jesus was. He was a rich man. He took bread and fed 5,000. He took
turned water to wine. He walked on water. He owns the world and holds it in the palm of his hand. He was separate from sinners. He was a worthy one. And a strong angel said, Who is worthy to open the book? To look thereon, and John searched all the heavens. Michael the archangel was not worthy. Gabriel was not worthy. The Pope was not worthy. William Branham was not worthy. The prophets were not worthy. He scanned all the heaven, and there was no man worthy. You are not worthy. I am not worthy. John began to weep. Because there was no man worthy and knew that everything Adam lost was lost forever. And he begins to weep and cry because if it's left on man, there is no hope. Until he heard a voice say, weep not, John, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed and opened the book. And he went to look and he saw a lamb stepping out of eternity coming out of the intercession when nobody was worthy. Here comes one because they said, thou art worthy. He was a worthy kinsman redeemer when God created a blood cell in the womb of a 15-year-old peasant girl and she ate bread and olive oil and she ate and cell upon cell, life upon life, here a little, there a little and in her was the blood cell of Jehovah. In her was the blood that would redeem the entire world. In her was the Messiah that the prophet spoke of, that the Bible spoke of, that the priest preached about. She is holding Emmanuel, God with us. Not the blood of a Jew, not the blood of a Gentile, but the blood of Almighty God. How many can say thou art worthy? He was a rich man. And he was worthy of double honor as he laid down his splendor. The Bible said he who was rich became poor that we might become rich. Here is the kinsman redeemer as God steps forth to take the penalty of sin. As God comes forth to take your shame, to take your iniquity when you knew better. When you live, when you did not give God your all, when you gave God second place, He was there to stand for you. When you turned your back on God, He was there to stand for you. When you were pounding forty dogs on the uh, on the the bench pew of a bar, He came to take your place. When you cursed God, when you lived in adultery, when you lived as a fornicator, when you chewed tobacco, when you done drugs. He stepped forward, the worthy one, to take your place. Let me tell you, we judge one another. God have mercy on us. If we would have the mercy that God done on us, because we all know we are wrong in the presence of God. Put God always before you. When that girl had aborted her own baby, When you went to sex houses, committed adultery on your wife, all the sins of your dark closet, he come forward. 
to take them. When you knew better, he came to take it. When you deserved hell, he came to take it. When you were his enemy, when you made fun of church, when you made fun of people that loved God, he came forth to take your place. You want to talk about a worthy one. You want to talk about one that deserves all of our praise, all of our love, all of our life, all of our adoration. He is a man worthy of our songs. He is worthy of our tithing. He is worthy to come to church for. He is worthy to be loyal to. He is worthy to give your life. Let me tell you, he is worthy of holiness. We're not doing God a favor by keeping our hair long and wearing long dresses and walking in the light of holiness. He's worthy of it. He is worthy that we don't have to wear short shorts and look like sissies and watch television and all the slap of the world. He's worthy for us to separate from the world. What are ear bobs in the sight of eternity? Throw the ear bobs away. Wipe the makeup makeup off and live in the beauty of holiness. He is worthy. What shall I render to God for all that he has given me? Where did he take you from, Brother Orlando? Where did he take me from? I wasn't looking for God. He came out in the country and found me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Where were you, Brother Mickey? Where were you, Brother Ron Colley? Maybe you were trapped in systems, beating your brains out. Men taking your money, taking your property. Men that didn't even know God and you're given everything to find peace in your soul. Let me talk about someone that's worthy this morning. Who gave you your meals? Who's kept you all your life? You have a bed to go sleep on tonight. You have a car with air conditioning to take you out of here. Who provided it? Was it your own strength? Your own intelligence? We have been blessed. If God never blessed us ever again, he is worthy of all of our life, all of our beings, every breath that is in us. Who's beating your heart? Who's put breath in your lungs? It's borrowed this morning. Who spared you on your deathbed? He is worthy. And the Bible says that we ought to be worthy of the calling wherewith we were called. Here came forth the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and in him was not the blood of a German or an Ethiopian or a Jew, but the blood of Almighty God that made him worthy. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. And I want to say he is deserving. He is worthy. He is worthy of our attendance. He is de- we don't do him favors. He is deserving of everything we got. He is deserving of my life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. How many want to be acceptable unto the Lord? 
sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not but a body thou hast prepared me we are the body of Jesus Christ present yourselves your talents your gifts your time your strength your power your energy your dedication this message deserves it all how many can say thou art worthy and they sang a new song when he came forth, Brother Branham, I believe, in chapter 5, takes out and said, that's the raptured saints. We preached the earnest of it this morning. How many are grateful to God for all that he has rendered to you? You know, this is only a foretaste of glory divine. This is only just a, 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 a teaspoon of, of fresh water compared to the ocean. This is only a glimpse of immortality. And if we can rejoice like that little prostitute woman that was washing his feet and said, if no one else will appreciate you, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. If we can feel the way that we feel in an atmosphere like this, what will it be when we see the lamb face to face, see the holes, the nail scars where he did it for you? He did it for me. He did it for you, Brother Mike. He did it for you, Brother George. Then they break out into a new song. Thou art worthy. Thou was worthy. When it's all over, God will owe us nothing. He is worthy of everything I can give him and more. I'm doing God no favors. You're doing God no favors. I want to rededicate my life. He's deserving of all the love that I can give him. All the service that I can offer. All that I can spend. I want to spend and be spent. I want to give him my best. I don't want to cut him short. Brother Paul, I don't want to cut him short when he deserves everything. How many believe that? He deserves everything. Where would you be had he not caught you? Your trajectory of life, you were heading somewhere. What would have happened if you didn't turn? We're able to see the end of the rich young ruler. And he lifted up his eyes in hell and wanted to go back. But what would have your life been had he not turned you around, Sister Linda? It would have went a completely different way. But because you stopped and looked, he said, come on, child. And he holds you by the hand. And when you fall, he picks you back up. And when your desires wasn't his yet, he came. And he said, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You're going this way. Aren't you glad for his chastening? As many as he loves, he chastens and rebukes. Aren't you happy? He can beat you across the back and turn you around and say, I love you, my child. You'll always be mine, but you're not going to act like that. I wonder if we could give him more. I wonder if we could give him all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. I wonder if I can give him what I've never given him before, Brother Jonathan. Let me say, Lord, that's my desire. Let us stand to our feet.
Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, just a solemn moment right now. As John saw that lamb coming up out of intercession, the strong angel proclaiming the one that was worthy to take the book. Lord, we know that that book was the book of intercession. And our names was in it. You left heaven and all that was good to carry our sorrows and our sins. While the world has put you outside of the organizations, we feel like the little prostitute this morning, unworthy of your love. But being no one else was taking opportunity. We're rushing to your feet this morning. Lord, we don't have much to give you. But we sure want to pour out that we do love and appreciate you. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for our families. Thank you for the token, Lord. Thank you for a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Thank you for Paul's gospel. Thank you for restoring the truths that was lost through the dark ages. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that endures forever. God, I pray in Jesus' name, each and every one that is in the sound of my voice, whose heart, Lord, wants to bathe your feet with their tears. Wipe, Lord, those tears with their hair. I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would saturate this building. Move upon our hearts as the Redeemer and the redeemed have communion one with the other. God, move upon our hearts. We're sorry for the way we've treated you. We want to rededicate ourselves anew. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll send the strength giver. Send the Holy Spirit to our young people. Send the Holy Spirit to our middle age, our old, those that are weary, those that are backslidden. Lord, even myself, a minister of the gospel, come by here, Lord. Move upon our hearts. God, I want to live a life worthy of the gospel. I want to spend to be spent and give everything I got before you return. Help us to be mission-minded. Help us to be soul winners. Help us to care about a dying world. Father, I rededicate myself anew. I pray that everyone that wants to rededicate their hearts will lift their hands to the Lord now. And just as we sing this song, just rededicate your heart and express your love to Him. We ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.